This is your Week in Gaming, episode 10, recorded for the 16th of June, 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, Chris is away, I talk some lore, Sam goes on about dice games, and Richard shows faith in Steam. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 10 of your Week in Gaming. It is also Youth Month here in South Africa, so... Happy Youth Day and everything for us here in South Africa. Uh, I've got a question for my co-hosts. You see, not guests. I'm learning slowly but surely. Um, what could you do as a child that you would get shunned for as an adult nowadays? Literally nothing. <laughs> okay, uh, let, let, me, let me take so you through. Swim naked at the public pools. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you went in deep, bro. <laughs> We were, Sam and I were talking about this prior to the podcast. Like, as a kid, you could just like take off your clothes and just go running around, and everyone, like, oh, it's a kid, you know, let them do whatever they want to, you know, back in the day. Nowadays, probably can't do that. I will say that there is a, a lot of child life that still applies to me. I'm I'm an overgrown child. I go to bed whenever I want, one two a.m. Easy clap. I sleep in until eleven o'clock because why not? Um, my entire day is filled with playing video games, talking about video games, watching people play video games. That that is my whole life from day to day. That that's me. I'm I'm a child, and uh, I like it that way. <laughs> it almost sounds like you could have a management position at some or other institute or government department. Uh, sleep in, you know, go back. Yes, you're Continue. not wrong, bro. <laughs> Can, can we get like a, a, a okay? I was about to say, can we get a South African esports thing? But then I thought about MSSA, and I just wanted to like throw my head into like the sand. So maybe I'll just uh, let's not. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. That is something that is very dangerous and also yeah, pretty uh, triggering for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Gaming news now, and Microsoft's pending deal to acquire Activision Blizzard for a small fee of sixty-eight point seven billion freedom bucks is currently restricted to a restraining order from the United States Federal Court. This is after the Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, filed a preliminary injunction against the deal. This is not anything new, as many bodies and competitors have tried to strike the, uh, the deal down. However, it is important to note that the deal does have a deadline of 18 July. If it is not finalized by then, Microsoft is liable for an even smaller fee that they need to pay Activision Blizzard of 3 billion dollars this has been going on since like the early, like january 2022 this deal was being spoken about and you know microsoft came out and said hey guys this is what's happening and it still hasn't been concluded yet so what's, if the, our... what's the three million for a fine uh, i guess it's 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 a fee that is obviously set up in the uh, the sale agreement that if the deal is not concluded by then uh, that the uh, that that Microsoft needs to pay Activision Blizzard. It's 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 almost going to be treated like a cancellation at the end of the day if it's not finalized by then. Okay, well, so seems... yeah, it's like a pullout fee. Yeah. It seems that the UK have already blocked the merger, which, as I understand, is still being appealed. I don't know if it has been, and it's like it doesn't seem like it has already been. But UK has already blocked it. US is close behind. Uh, I, I get the feeling that this is not going to happen. 
there's a lot of other countries. Several other countries have already said that they're happy. You know, go ahead. I know the UK said no, and from what I've read, they are challenging it. Um, but Microsoft sound very confident about it. Like, no, don't worry, guys. This thing will happen. and Everything. Um, so there's clearly confidence. I just want the deal sorted out so that I can play Diablo Four on Xbox Game Pass <laughs> as opposed to paying the hundred euros for the base game or something. So otherwise, nothing in it for you, really. <laughs> there's nothing else for it. Well, I've already so, got Xbox. I just want extra things. I wonder if like Africa or any of African countries have any sort of say in this. And the reason for that is so the EU have approved the acquisition, which means that if the UK continue their stance, there's a very good chance that Activision Blizzard games might not release in the UK at all. And so now I'm wondering, like, what what, what do we fall under? What umbrella? Because I feel like we probably don't have much of a say in this at all. But will we still get the games? <laughs> how, so, how would we be uh, affected? South Africa in tech, we generally fall into one of two regions, either EMEA, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa, yeah, um, which would obviously pose that problem, um, or we also fall into just Middle East, Africa, or MEA. Um, when it comes to gaming, it's surprisingly uh, diversified. So, you know, for example, Steam have deals with all the different countries fiscally and and in all of the different currencies and like so it's it's pretty diversified microsoft has a direct presence in south africa both for xbox and gaming and for um for business and home consumer use so i don't think it would affect us too badly as as you know as a local enterprise but i feel like if they were to not be able to sell their product in europe it's a good chance that that microsoft will pay the three billion pullout fee and not actually go through with it because you're alienating the second biggest market in the world right after america and they're not going to want that because then their games are not going to have the same penetration um sure there's pulling out and penetration in the same Jesus Christ, man. And I was actually just thinking to myself, in any other circumstance, pulling out would save you money, not cost you <laughs> <laughs> Pulling oh, out man. costs you, th- what is it, $3 billion uh, in the case of this. <laughs> so anyway. I, I, I did a little bit of research into the amounts because I was just interested because like, I've, I've heard this going on in the back burner and I've never really paid much attention to it. But if, if you look at the biggest merger deals ever, excluding, uh, you know, including tech and including all the other business types, the biggest merger deal ever was 202 million US dollars between Vodafone and whatever Manisman is, some sort of telecommunications company. The 10th biggest was 100 million between Heinz and Kraft, which are like the mayonnaise people and the, t- the tomato mm-hmm. sauce people, right? Mm-hmm. This... This sixty-eight billion is the biggest tech uh, acquisition ever. Sixty-eight point seven billion. The next closest to it was Dell and EMC, which was sixty-seven billion, which is very close. Um, and from there it goes to like Twitter's Elon Musk story, um, Broadcom uh, merging with Avago for thirty-seven billion, uh, AMD buying Exalinx for fifty. Uh, Red Hat and IBM for 37. So, like, you know, those are all half as much as this. So it's really no 
a surprise to me. Like even WhatsApp was 19 billion. So 68 billion is a huge amount of money in tech, you know, regardless of whether it's hardware, software, gaming. So it's not surprising that it's it's getting so much attention, but it's uh, but it's supposed to be from from what I read, they're supposed to finalize it by the end of Microsoft's financial year, twenty twenty three, which is June. So you know, yeah. I, I I don't know what's going to happen. I get the I get the sort of impression that it might just uh, fall fall through. I, I'm not sure. Well, two quick points from me. Uh, first being, sixteen billion dollars is a number so big that I cannot actually physically compute it. And to me, it's an imaginary number and it doesn't actually exist. So um, there you go. Uh, secondly, I did some extra research of my own. Uh, South Africa is apparently on the list of countries that have approved the acquisition. So no stress, folks. We will still get our Diablo 4s and our Overwatch 2s and our other awful Blizzard games. <laughs> Hope- hopefully on Xbox Game Pass really soon. So FTC, please just let this thing go through. Thank you. <laughs> Moving swiftly along. So this week was unbearably difficult for choosing news to discuss. There's so much has happened over the last few days with a plethora of news uh, shows and announcements, as well as, you know, a couple of game studios going kablooey. That was one that I wanted to talk about. But I chose to focus on what might be the most anticipated game of the year for Souls-like players. And that is Lies of P. The trailer was shown at Summer Games Fest, and the response has been incredible. This new game is a dark retelling of Pinocchio. of Souls-like Pinocchio, folks. In this game, he's an automaton-esque living doll trying to become human and must find Geppetto in order to accomplish this task. Very little of the lore has been revealed, and even in-game, you have very little information, and you must play in order to uncover more. You you literally go in with next to no information, just you're a puppet, find you better. I couldn't find information on the world, on the, the setting, um, aside from the fact that there are like a bunch of automatons that you have to fight. That's and you wander around a city called Krat. That's about that's that's what I got. Um also this is a choices matter style game. So the ending can be different. Uh also like interactions with other NPCs and stuff can be affected depending on the, the choices that you make throughout the game. Uh some good news if you're absolutely chomping at the bit for this. A demo is available on Steam right now. Additionally, this was confirmed some time ago, but as a reminder, it will also be a day one Game Pass release. So if you have Xbox uh, Xbox Game Pass, you will be able to play this on day one. And best of all, the release date is just around the corner, literally September. It's just a few more months. I played some of the demo and I'll be honest, I suck at Souls-like games. Absolutely suck at them. I got to like the first little mini boss dude I got my ass handed to me like twice and I was like, all right, cool, I'm done. But the graphics, like it is visually stunning. It is so beautiful. The soundtrack is just the right amount of haunting and creepy. Like it's so atmospheric. And I did have a lot of fun as much as I sucked doing it. So uh, yeah, feel free to go check out the demo. Um, And yeah, if you have Games Pass for the low, low price of whatever the price is, uh, you can play it on day one. Automatons is a silly word. <laughs> that That's what you got from that. <laughs> well, so the Souls games thing, it's about patience, right? It's about persistence, patience, and uh, learning the the moves and the rhythms and the patterns of the boss. It's very tedious, and it appeals to a very specific type of gamer who has both the reflexes to deal with it and the patience to learn it. That that game is not me. So I, I'm with you on the I suck at soul like games too because I just don't have the patience. Like I, I know that I do 
when it comes to like the hitman or commandos of the world or you know when you have to learn the guards walking patterns and where to go and how to go and how long to stand there for and how many times to roll this way and that way i've got those i've got that patience when it comes to games that i'm not gonna die not me. every time i blink but yeah it's, it's these soul souls like games it takes a special kind of gamer i feel like and probably someone with better reflexes than my 39 year old hands have <laughs> bro i can't even play assassin's creed that is my level of impatience i just can't and the thing is i wish i enjoyed souls like games because i look at them and i'm like these are so pretty they're amazing the stories are rich the environments are incredible like i looked at elden ring and all of my friends were losing their minds of elden ring and i'm like yeah it looks great i can't play it <laughs> Not me, folks. And I feel like I have FOMO, but at the same time, no. <laughs> I'm not a Souls player at all. I tried Dark Souls. Sucked horribly. I yep. tried uh, Sekiro, I think it was called. Also terrible. Yep. I, I've, Do I have persistence? Sure. Do I have patience to being beat up like that constantly in a Souls game? Probably not so much. Yeah. I think it's definitely a skills issue rather than it is a patience issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, the game does look pretty cool. And I like the uh, the darker take on, yeah. you know, older stories and things like Pinocchio. I really like that. I mean, I kind of enjoyed like the, uh, the Grimm Brothers, uh, you know, like their version of the fairy tales of, you know, yeah. like Little Red Riding Hood, all of those kind of things and how dark they are. So it, very appealing. I might end up just watching somebody play this and actually playing it myself. Same. Although day one Game Pass, it's just Microsoft everywhere. They're just doing all the things. Yeah. Provided I can uh, murder people with my extended nose, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Following the Xbox showcase this week that featured about 20 minutes of gameplay during the Starfield Direct show that followed it, Starfield suddenly shot to become second on the bestsellers list on Steam right behind CSGO. This is a huge show of faith from PC gamers who are all in on Steam, particularly considering the game will launch on day one on Xbox Game Pass, and it's 70 US dollars. It's not a cheap game to buy out cash. Of course, while Bethesda is known for its huge and quality games, they're no strangers to bugs on launch either, bugs that are found five years later but microsoft (laughs) alluded to a much bigger qa team than bethesda the game would usually get before launch so i think that gamers are cautiously optimistic i think there's two big stories in here the first big story is that gamers are willing to pay for games even if they're on xbox game pass not to have to use the microsoft game store because that's available on pc right so people are paying Uh 70 us dollars not to have to interact with xbox game pass that's the first big one and the second big one is that there's um, that the, the the QA team for the Bethesda game is going to be uh, Microsoft's QA team. It's not not Bethesda's in-house team. Microsoft kind of alluded to the fact that they would be using Microsoft's QA team, so we can expect fewer bugs. I think a Bethesda game at the scale of Bethesda's games with the less bugs than they normally come out with, which I think people are willing to accept because the scale of the game is so big you know with so many hundreds of npcs and quests and interlocking quests but the thing is that cd project red okay let's just put uh cyberpunk 2077 aside their games are just as big right but where are all the bugs there yeah mm-hmm. so I, I i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that a bigger qa team will produce a better quality game on launch but i think that because of bethesda's history because of their history with things like the elder scrolls 
we we sort of have learned to trust them as a game studio, right? And we're willing to drop 70 US dollars on a game that's only going to release in four months' time and that's going to be available for free on Xbox Game Pass, free, quote-unquote free, because you've got to pay, what, $10 or $15 a month for it. Hmm. Interesting that for the interesting that Steam holds that much value to gamers. Interesting that Bethesda is, is a name that people will pay seventy dollars for a game four months away from launch based on twenty minutes of of let's face it carefully curated video yeah. footage. Mm-hmm. And um, interesting that Microsoft is using their own QA team for their game studios. And that's everything I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that, like, so I've had Xbox Game Pass for a few months now which means I've been paying the 10 whatever dollars per month. And I don't think I've pay- played a single Xbox Game Pass game. And I feel like maybe some people have that feeling of like, okay, I could I could pay $10 in perpetuity forever and ever amen for a $70 game, which I could end up paying more. Sure, there's other games that you could play, but if you're like me, if you're not like a avid play every single kind of game, try them all and whatever, whatever, you end up paying more for the game than just outright paying the $70. Yeah, look, it's a good point. It's a fair point. And I think it's a it's an argument probably most people that subscribe to Game Pass have had in their time. But as Microsoft acquires more and more franchises and studios and try and bundle them all in together, it becomes more and more and more, you know, one of those things that you are almost essential to have as a gamer, especially for if the Activision thing goes through, then all your Blizzard and all your CODs and all of the Activision oh, studios. Oh yeah, 100%. You know, uh, will eventually come into it, and that ga- that that those Game Pass or Xbox showcases always have a lot of games that are f- are from external studios that Microsoft doesn't even own that are bringing their games to to Game Pass, and this one wasn't an exception. ZD Projekt Red, for example, bringing all their new Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven IP to it, and it actually looks good. You know, the game's in a good place now versus where it was at launch. And some of the things that they're bringing in, they are looking cool. We saw Flight Simulator 2024 being revealed, which was a big uh-huh. shock to everybody um, because Microsoft said they were going to support the Flight Simulator 2020 for the next 10 years. So after four years, they're going to release a new games. It's way more mission focused. So there's the same open world flight, some of the first one, but it, um, it will have all of all these weird missions like taking people skydiving and doing sort of construction of power lines using helicopters and flying out to oil rigs to deliver people and doing alpine and mountain rescues. It's like a whole like evolved. So they're taking the idea of an open world, you know, flight sim and turning it into something special. I'm getting way off track here, but my point is (laughs) there's a lot going on on Game Pass and even with the EA stuff. So all you need is one game that you play religiously that has either its own subscription or you need to be one of those people that are like you said that love the cutting edge thing that love to be on the edge of what's happening in gaming and try all the new games that are coming out and if you add the games together that are on there if you have even two or three games that you want to buy at $60 each $180 that's more than a year's worth of subscription and you're going to find more than three games over the course of a year that you're going to want to play even if they're little indie games that you play for six hours so i still think there's value but uh, you know if if you're if you're a one game player one game person um you know there's probably not so much value in it there's also much better value when you look at it from a, a console side because console games are just generally more expensive they don't have the sales after six months that pc games mm-hmm. have and steam has so mm-hmm. you know you're you're 
almost always paying at least $30 for a console game versus the PC, which after six months will be 20 or even $15. There's a, it's a price disparity, so it's not worth as much to people who are on PC, I think, than it is to on console. Super worth, and the fact that $70 for what is effectively $10, you play that game for six, seven months, and you, if you want to look at it like that, you probably, you've made your money back plus some with all the other benefits. But uh, it does does look pretty good. Uh, uh, the little bit that I saw of Starfield was uh, pretty exciting. But I just hope that I'm not jaded by other, <laughs> you know, purchases of uh, of games on the uh, the first day. I mean, the fact that it's just Game Pass is probably going to be is is going to promote the fact that I'm going to play it. But the fact that uh, I don't have to spend money and possibly get burned. Uh, hello, No Man's Sky. Hello. Some people were cyberpunk and Fallout seventy six. Fallout seventy six. That you'd you'd compare Starfield to to No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I don't want to get hurt by day one purchase. So listen, we've been Xbox? traumatized yes. by devs yeah, in have. the past. Okay, we have, we have the last trust thing I'll issues say about, as um, gamers. The last thing I'll say about Xbox Game Pass is that remember it includes Xbox Gold and Xbox Gold is needed to play games with your friends if you have an Xbox and that's 80 Rand or $5 all by itself. So there's more value in it than just the games if you're a console player. Correct. Well, uh, no promising playable this week. I have a soon-to-be success. I say soon-to-be as if it's not already absolutely skyrocketing. Uh, But Critical Role fans who are sick of Wizards of the Coast and all of their BS, rejoice. The brilliant minds over at CR have devised an all-new tabletop system for players to explore. This kicked off at the end of June with the live stream of their new game called Candela Obscura. Now, to temper some expectations, this is not a D&D-esque D20 system. This is actually a D6 system and is set in a very dark turn-of-the-century universe. It's horror-themed. It's very different. Um, so what are some of the things you'd expect if you want to dive into this system? Less there dice. Is, well, kind of. There's like six six-sided dice that you use. So the number of dice is the same. It's just the same die and not many different ones. Um, There's definitely a learning curve as you get used to this entirely new system. Currently, there is only a quick start guide available for free, uh, with the full guide only releasing at the end of the year, which is why I call it my soon-to-be, because the actual guide is not out yet. Uh, The quick start guide, however, does include a short adventure that you can play through to test out the system, and you don't have to come up with stuff on your own. Combat, from what I've seen, is quite minimal. And by that, in the first episode we saw of Candela Obscura, there were there was no fighting. They did uh, encounter some creatures. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there wasn't any actual combat. Um, it focuses more on role play and having your wits about you, making clever decisions, using your environment, stuff like that. Uh, the system is far more punishing than the classic D20 systems. Even the smallest of mistakes can be deadly. Everything is new. And this, I think, is my favorite thing, particularly as a occasional DM myself. Your players cannot possibly metagame their way through encounters because they have no meta knowledge to draw from. They genuinely have no idea what's going on. It's not like in a D&D game where you say, oh, a giant scaled creature with massive wings crawls out from the underbrush. It's a dragon. It's a freaking dragon, man. And your whole party goes, I cast acid resistance. I get my bow of dragon slaying or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no surprise that everybody knows what everything is. But in this, 
you cannot know. It's completely new, which is super cool. Uh, I haven't had a chance to test out the system just yet, but the VOD of the first episode of Candela Obscura is available on the Critical Role YouTube channel. I watched it live because I'm a try-hard nerd. Uh, but you can go and watch that first episode if you want to. And I can say that it looks like a ton of fun uh, and I'm really looking forward to diving into it as soon as I can. I like the fact that there's other systems, especially considering, I think one of the big things that just kind of drove people to like, listen, we need to do our own things is after that whole uh, potential changes to like the uh, the licenses that they wanted to do, yeah. which received massive backlash and probably cost them, you know, tens of millions of dollars as well. Yep. But I had a look at this and I, to me, just from our personal view and everything, it looks very, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a big CR fan, but like it, the system was very, uh, a better D6 system that I found was one by, which was done by powered by the apocalypse, um, specifically monster of the week. It's also very f focused around role play and stuff. You only need two D6s per person. Uh, like the DM, doesn't even roll whatsoever and it's also it, it's very think buffy the vampire slayer cross supernatural kind of thing and it it's it was i i really enjoyed it the couple of times i've been able to play it it was also only like ten dollars or something back in the day um for all the books and all the sheets and things like that uh, look, I think maybe when there is more out and there's more context behind the other game and everything that there might be, it, it would change my mind. But right now mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to see more of it. Also, I like my clicky clacks. I like dice. I like <laughs> we're having lots of dice to roll. You've just said you prefer the two dice system and then immediately after go, I like all my clicky clacks. I, I like my clicky clacks. <laughs> I really and truly do. But like also sometimes, you know, only rocking up with two D6s is is a very nice, easy way for people to get in. They're just going to grab two dice from their Monopoly set or whatever, and boom, they can play. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the cost of dice sets recently, but they're very <laughs> expensive. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I will say that the so so the critical role system, uh, the Candela Obscura, is actually based a little bit more on uh, Vassin, which I don't know if anybody here has heard of this, but there is a book. Uh, I actually picked up a copy when I was in Sweden. Um, it is based on Nordic mythology. Uh, it's really cool. The book itself is just like talking about all of the different like mythical creatures and stuff that existed in Nordic mythology. It's dope. And so what was done is that book was turned into a D6 style RPG, TTRPG. Uh, and it's V-A-E-S-E-N for anybody that wants to go check that out. And this is a little bit more of the inspiration for the Candela Obscura um, system. And this also looks really cool. It's also dark horror. It's got the six or so D6s. Um, the, the stats are very different to the Candela Obscura. So this is another one that people can go check out if you want something different and unique and whatever. Um, but as you say, it's it's really cool that we have so many options now that we can really start to branch out. For the longest time, it was either Dungeons and Dragons or maybe Pathfinder. Not everybody plays Pathfinder, but it was the the, the other popularish one. Now we've got more stuff coming into the fray, and honestly, a little bit of competition can only be a good thing. Agreed. I just want to know if you were to give a rating out of ten, what is eh? <laughs> like uh six a very solid bad. six that's not bad could, like could you make a noise for a seven uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's great i will say that i think a lot of that boils down to the fact that we only have the quick start guide 
I think yeah. that once we get the actual full guide, things will hopefully look uh, a bit more fleshed out and more fun and whatnot. Yeah. And then I might go from a eh to eh to mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see. Ugh, why does this man have a scale of voices? Freaking I'm just know. surprised at how accurate it is. Like, you know what he means. <laughs> <laughs> from now on, every time people ask me, like, give a rate out of 10, I'll be like, mm. and people will know. Like, yeah, okay, okay, that's a seven. That's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. I can Get see me that. out. <laughs> And now in this week's news that nobody cares about, you might remember the Titanfall series of games, and fan might, fans might even remember the title Titanfall. Titanfall 3 was supposed to be a thing, but it was cancelled. PC Gamer reports this week that it was generally accepted that Titanfall 3 was cancelled so that Respawn Entertainment could focus on and release Apex Legends. What wasn't common knowledge, though, is that it wasn't EA that cancelled Titanfall 3, but rather Respawn themselves. Why do we care about this? Well, we don't. That's why it's called and we can use that nobody cares about, but it has come to light via an interview featuring game designer Mohamed Alavi, who claimed that the studio themselves cancelled Titanfall 3 and publisher EA didn't even know about this for up to six months so that they could create an Apex Legend prototype to show them. So they kind of went like, let's cancel this game, make Apex Legends, and then be like, hey, we cancelled this game, but look what we did make! And... <laughs> It's kind of a risky move, especially considering Titanfall was the sole reason EA even bought Respawn Entertainment to start with. Although you have to kind of admit it's worked out for them. Yeah, I mean, Apex has now turned into a reasonably successful eSport. I don't want to oversell it. Uh, it has its well, problems. The, the Valorant caster is Apex Legends. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know how much Valorant vastly outclasses Apex as an esport, you have not been paying attention. As someone who has been paying attention, I'm aware of this. I know that the salaries are lower in Apex. The um, circuit that they run is incredibly boring with like one land per year. It is not as good. There is far less money. Um, if you could see the players complaining on social media like it, it's not perfect but with the only other esport that ea has ever had being like fifa i think i think that's the only other one it's cool that they now have another one and if if respawn had gone ahead with titanfall they wouldn't have that so yay did you ever play any of the titanfall games <laughs> no my <laughs> friends try to get me to and i i own the game and i was supposed to play it with her and then like we just we just didn't so. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get over Samantha's sweeping statement about how FIFA is the only esports esports title that EA has. <laughs> the only one I know about, like... There's Battlefield, but I don't know too much about if there's any sort of, like, really big competitive Battlefield things. I know that there was back in the day, like, here in South Africa. But, I mean, I'm digressing. Like, Titanfall, if you never played it, it was such a cool game. And Titanfall was really what Anthem should have been right and anthem was a mess and it's still a mess and i don't even think you can really play online because like they've just like said nah screw the servers and like nothing i was looking forward to titan for a potential titan for three and to know that it actually was just replaced by apex legends actually makes me upset for whatever <laughs> reason i don't want to play another you know uh like like PUBG futuristic remake thing dropping down getting guns and shooting. I wanted to be a, a mech and control mechs and things again and, you know, do all these kind of fights. The movement and everything was so great. 
I'm actually disappointed in now. I'm, I'm I'm actually a little bit upset. I really and truly am. Okay, I've gone on to do some googling, and what I've uh, what I've ascertained is the reason I thought that FIFA was the only EA esport is because all of the other ones are terrible. They're terrible. Okay, Madden, wait. Omega, Lord, knock Madden. <laughs> Madden or dead? It's one or the other. Like dead esport, bro. Um, um, you're saying saying things like that to two very big NFL fans in the core uh, is it's 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 brave things. Uh, Madden Madden in certain areas is massive. In certain areas, all right. Esports uh, is not an like, in certain areas thing. Uh, well, I mean, like Madden is really big in in America. I mean, Snoop Dogg gets very involved with things like that. Yeah, of course, it's big in America. It's an American game. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's still massive, you know? And there's obviously pockets around the world that will obviously tune in and everything as well. But, I mean, I digress. I'm still upset that <laughs> Titanfall 3 was cancelled because I wanted to make an Apex Legends. Why? So here's the thing, right, Apex Andrew? Why? Game. I can tell you why. How do you make money as a gaming company in 2023? Microtransactions. Microtransactions, esports. You don't make money as a single-player game unless it is insanely big and that's why basically and when where's the titanfall 2 esports series i will where's say the apex, apex legends, legends though, esports is series? actually it's a, a good game decision. it's, it's probably decision. one of the better battle royals that are out there not the battle royale is a particularly good genre in and of itself but for battle royale players it's one of the better ones yeah i'm still upset but i mean <laughs> I, the, the business behind it sure it doesn't make me as a game a little upset i suppose it's just me being very um sad upset. I'm, I'm yeah i'm sad <laughs> Oh, it's the first time I've ever used that term, just by the way. I'm Sag. <laughs> no, Ironically, <it's> Sag. <laughs> I promise you, the first time I've said Sag. <laughs> I'm learning something from the kids and those that are just are chronically online. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that about rounds up your news in gaming this week. Thank you so much for tuning in for episode 10 of your week in name week in naming listen to yeah me. <laughs> your week in gaming uh shout out to our friends over at esports central for partnering with us on this uh pedcast go to bed <laughs> week in naming your pedcast <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on twitter at ywig podcast and by email at your week in gaming podcast at gmail.com i have to speak like that otherwise i'm not going to get the words out you can find Andrew on Twitter at MechWarrior5. <laughs> <laughs> Underscore F1 manager. <laughs> <laughs> All right. While, while Andrew composes himself, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Nari Mizuki. You can find me on Twitter at FrogBoots if you really want to. I did tweet about the weather this week, so it's going well. <laughs> nice, nice. I always, I've, I've actually got richard's tweets now and they're like i want notifications thereof so every time he tweets i get the notification it's brilliant i look forward to the manchester city tweets and the weather tweets and everything <laughs> i just want to say the negative Man- manchester city tweets you know how worried i am i know this isn't about sports but i am very worried about the sports washing takeover that's happening in the premier league at the moment oh yeah Oof, and uh, straight over my head bro <laughs> and you can find chris at xbox i'm assuming since we spoke a lot about it this week our next episode will be out on friday 23 june 2023 at 7 a.m gmt plus two and across all major podcast platforms we'll see you next week bye bye, bye.